Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by The Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. The Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis. Luke Hancock, Luke, it's good to have you back here, my friend. I just wanted to inform you that uh, while completing my uh, side duties with uh, our friends at uh, Mississippi State, I have learned that their baseball team, which they insanely uh, follow and support there uh, at Mississippi State, their captain this year, Luke, catcher, his name? I I think I'm going to be able to get where you're going here because – Apparently, this dude is a stud, and I have been sent several Twitter ats to the wrong person, so I think I know where this is going. His name is Luke Hancock. I, yeah, yeah. I, uh, somebody's asking if I can hit bombs as well um, on Twitter, and no, I cannot. That is, uh, that's not me, but... <laughs> How the duty's going, by the way? I know you've enjoyed going great. parts of it's, that, right? It's been wild uh, going down there. It's been weird how my circles uh, overlap. You know, the Limonis, you know, was here with Dan McDonald for a long time, and he's been a successful coach down there with baseball now. They've got a catcher and a captain named Luke Hancock. <laughs> and as a little kid rooting for some very bad Bucks teams, the only thing we ever had was Leroy Selman uh, from, from Oklahoma that was the, you know, ultimately was a Hall of Fame NFL player. And now his nephew is the athletic director at Mississippi State, <laughs> Zach Selman. So small world and uh, small circles that somehow managed to overlap all the time. Big time powerhouse uh, baseball program. I know, oh, you know sure. they 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 get mentioned, and it seems like every uh, coaching search through the years of just high profile guys because they have so many resources down there. A powerhouse program in the likes of you know Vanderbilt or a, a Louisville that level for sure. Yeah, and of course a Sam Purcell also down there yep. now, the head coach of a, of a very good women's basketball program down there uh, as well. We've got plenty. Uh, that we are going to get into here today. We're going to talk a lot of basketball. It'd be fools not to. It's basketball season. I know you are uh, – you talk about your side duties. Uh, <laughs> your your elbows deep in, in ACC basketball. Uh, as well, before we, we do the root canal of talking about how Louisville played against Notre Dame and, and what's, what's coming here, uh, I did want to ask you, just checking in on the ACC overall with Louisville about halfway through or so conference play, how are we doing this year compared to a year ago, especially in light of how the tournament and the ACC's performance kind of surprised a lot of people? How's it going so far in the conference in your eyes? So you're just talking like perception or tournament teams or whatever all of the you above. think the right answer to that is. Yeah, yeah, I'm here I, for it. Well, I think last year people went overboard with the message that the ACC was down, and you're spot on with their postseason performance, the, the stuff in the NCAA tournament, you know, the fact that you had Virginia Tech play so well in the ACC tournament. Uh, I think it's obvious that Wake Forest was snubbed from the tournament last year. And then I'm puzzled by the national narrative that the ACC is down. And what I think is going on is people are looking at Louisville and they're looking at Florida State and in parts of the season, Syracuse, although they've been right there in so many games, finally getting healthy, their threes and fours are playing well enough where, you know, they're a much different team now than they were, you know, a couple months ago. So I think people looked at those national brands and felt like, oh, if they're not playing well, the ACC must be terrible. But they didn't give any weight 
to the fact that Clemson is a very good basketball team. You know, the get old and stay old mantra has changed with the transfer portal because you can you can do that every year, but the they're doing it in a unique way because they have guys that have gone through that program year in and year out. And Brad Brunell in in a post game presser after they got a huge win a couple weeks ago said, you know, every team needs to needs an identity. Every team needs their own superpower. And he said ours is our togetherness. And that, that the fact that these guys love each other on and off the court, they play hard for each other, they hold each other accountable. Chase Hunter, Hunter Tyson, P.J. Hall, that big three has been so impressive this year for Clemson. You throw Pitt in there. You know, what Jeff Capel has done in terms of the rebuild and just the mentality of that team, and I, I think they went out and just got the perfect transfer in Jamarius Burton. Tough as nails. He models his game after DeMar DeRozan, says he watches a lot of film on him, and he's not a guy who has to score a ton of points from from the three-point line, even though he's only 6'2", 6'3". He gets in there and mixes it up. I really like his game, but just mentality-wise, their toughness, their togetherness, their grittiness has made them a great team. NC State, I think, has one of the best backcourts in the entire country, and the emergence of big DJ Burns has been spectacular. I love this guy's game. He's a big-time throwback big. He can really go, you know, the, 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 thing of the, the thing that confuses me the most is like when you start the season and you're just going to go ahead and say, yeah, the ACC's down, I think you get to a point like right now when the metrics haven't caught up and we're still thinking about, you know, th- them underachieving because of these brands like UNC, Duke, NC State should all be ranked right now as well as Clemson, as well as Miami, and then we know – Virginia, t- I mean, uh, excuse me, Virginia is one of the best teams in the entire country. They have three losses, all to very, very good teams, all close games. And so, the, you know, the ACC as a whole, I think this is a great year. I'm a little shocked at the perception. I listened to the coaches call today, and they just kind of kept digging at the question, like, what's up with the metrics? What's going on? Every coach kind of gave their gripe about why are we so far behind? This doesn't make sense. Look at our quality wins. A lot of teams don't have those bad losses. And the fact there are several ACC teams who had major injuries through a lot of the, lot of this season. And so Florida State is a totally different team than they were with that 1-9 start, right? Boston College. Boston College's best player was out the first 15 games. The last three games is averaging 26-9, and Quentin Post. You know, getting much better. Those bottom teams, yes, the probably bottom three teams aren't great, but that's every conference across the country. And then you have eight or nine quality, could be tournament level teams that are battling it out. And then, you know, the 10, 11, 12, they're not bad either. That's Syracuse type teams uh, that can still really go. So, um, you know, the Virginia Techs, the Boston Colleges, the Syracuses, the Florida States, they've gotten healthier, they've gotten better, and they are a totally different team. And, kind of stinks for the ACC you know if you, if you have a team that struggled the way Florida State has but you're good you're going to somewhat cannibalize the rest of the league I mean you, you seen what Florida State has done the last couple of weeks Mark yeah they look a lot better they don't look anything close to the team uh, resemble at all the team that I think Louisville fans were pretty disappointed to not play better in that game because right. they have not played well this year but they are now right they they beat Pittsburgh I just talked about a very good team um, yep. they, they do get beat up by Miami. We know how good Miami is. Then they lose by one point to Clemson. Like, coming down the stretch, they had that game in control. They did beat Notre Dame. You know, they ran Virginia pretty close. Like, I feel bad for teams that haven't played Florida State already because the Florida State you're going to play in the last couple weeks of season, man, they're very different than the Florida State you would have played first couple weeks of season. And I'll, I'll say it again, same thing with Boston College. That team is, like they did last year in the ACC tournament, they're going to be able to make a run. Syracuse is getting better. Virginia Tech is getting healthy and going to be much better. Their record, they are much better than their record shows. So as a whole, you know, I think the ACC is having a very solid year. They should get eight, maybe nine teams into the NCAA tournament. That was a long answer to that question. It's I expected none, uh, nothing <laughs> less uh, from you, Luke. But and look – you just said something that I think if you're a fan of some of those teams who maybe are getting started a little bit late, resembling or growing into something that's a lot more uh, encouraging than what you were at the beginning of the year, it would be nice, Luke, and I'm not being sarcastic. Like It would be nice to have some 
something like that happen with with what remains for the rest of the year with this Louisville team, and we're not we're not there. And I just heard you kind of heave when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> we're not uh, we're not we haven't moved much, you know, towards that. And so we're gonna talk about a ton of things uh, today. We've got signing day tomorrow for football, where we're kind of gonna put our finishing touches on uh, what we think. The first class will, will pretty much look like, you know, for Louisville outside of perhaps some, a transfer or two here and there. Uh, we got the schedule, and I'm going to engage in all manner of reckless optimism in talking about the football schedule. I'm just warning you now. I'm going to be like, is this guy okay? What is this sunshine stuff that's uh, that's happening here? <laughs> I'm really optimistic about next year, and I'm not alone. And I want to get into that a little bit later. Uh, but uh, the other side of that coin right now, talk about I'll uh, forgive me for everything talk about. Let's have a talk about Notre Dame from your perspective and maybe anything about that that was particularly alarming or particularly encouraging coming out of that game. Well, I, I think first things first, when you line up, you know, this veteran Notre Dame team with really fifth and sixth year grad transfers against a team that just hasn't had you know, the continuity. They haven't come together. They haven't had that aha moment where they started to play better basketball. Um, you know, I, I kind of wasn't shocked that the game went the way it did. Um, I didn't expect them to get absolutely annihilated in the first half the way they did. Um, but I felt like they weren't going to win a turnover battle. They were going to give it to uh, a team that doesn't turn the ball over way too much. Uh, points off turnovers were <laughs> so skewed to Notre Dame. Um, they shoot the ball well, they pass the ball well. So I knew it was going to be a really tough matchup. Um, you know, that being said, you know, you, you don't expect a guard like Dane Goodwin to maybe have 10 rebounds, but you know, they got young athletic guards mixed with that, that big time talent. You know, I'm thinking JJ Starling there is, he's the biggest recruit I heard in Mike Bray's tenure, but I also heard, uh, there was a kid, Demetrius Jackson, uh, when I played that was a McDonald's All-American that might have been higher. So regardless, he's very, very talented. You pair that young talent with fifth- and sixth-year grad transfers, I mean, this team is obviously a, a veteran center away from being really good. That's the piece they lost last year. Um, but Notre Dame, under 500, you know, your coach gets – I'm not even going to say fired because they, they didn't really fire him. He hasn't even said he's going to retire. He's a, probably – my conversations with Mike Bray have always been great, such great Oh, he's retiring at the end of the year, yeah. Well, I mean, he hasn't said that, Mark. He's he's he said he's going to leave Notre Dame at the oh, end of the year. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, okay. And I think he's, he's been intentional from with Notre that. Dame. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. I think he's been intentional with that, though. And and even in the spring meetings before the year started, and let's remember, this Notre Dame team last year went 15 and five in the ACC. They finished second. They made the NCAA tournament. I'm just blown away that they only got in the playing game. But they beat Rutgers, then they beat Alabama, and then they had one of the best games in the entire tournament against Texas Tech, where they were right there. Coming off a really good year, you send a guy in Blake Wesley to the first round, I think he was the 26th pick in the draft, and then you bring in the next guy in J.J. Starling, again, pair him with a lot of studs, a lot of talent, a lot of veterans, and then they just can't find a way to get over the hump. They've had some really bad losses. Uh, just defending the paint has been a nightmare. Nate Lashevsky is is a baller. He's stat wise has accumulated just crazy numbers, but defensively they can't rebound and they can't defend in there. Uh, so they've struggled this season. But all in all, when you have a team that can high IQ, really pass it, really shoot it, really space you out, going against a Louisville team that uh, doesn't do well when they get spaced out and they don't do well with that second, third, fourth rotation when you have to really guard in the half court, it, it just wasn't surprising to me. Uh, what do you attribute the fact that like, this is where I think I was most bothered uh, by it is the fact that like this is not a, a Notre Dame team that, that really ought to be capable and hasn't shown itself to be capable of, of being up by by 30 on on anyone. And so that's unique for them. And it's not a great thing uh, for Louisville. And so I'm kind of curious what you what do you what's your diagnosis of how a situation when you have a team that's just not this good, they shouldn't be able to do that, but they were able to do it to Louisville. What do you, where'd you see sort of the breakdowns there? Yeah, I think it's about 
are you going to be able to make more than one rotation on defense? They make you work. And the thing is, like when they played Florida State, I don't know if Florida State is that talented, but Florida State threw bodies at them over and over again and absolutely wore Notre Dame down. And so you gotta you got to have an identity and a style and a way to go into a game against a team like that and kind of impose your will. And we know that Louisville has not been able to do that. You know, they haven't been able to dominate in really any facet of the game. And so, you know, I think the bottom line is you have to dominate a team like Notre Dame on the boards, not just be even with them, and then you can't turn the ball over. You know, we had, you know, 12 turnovers. They had three turnovers. You're not going to win against Notre Dame if you do that, if you give them the ball. And then you have to, again, dominate on the boards. And Louisville won the rebound war by three, but they gave up more offensive rebounds than they got. So you're not getting any easy baskets because you can't turn them over and get out in transition. And then you're not dominating on the glass. You know, for a team like Louisville that that struggles uh, to really score in the half court, they've got to find ways to create some easier opportunities, and Notre Dame just doesn't give you those. Well, let me ask you then, did, are you prepared to – Pat me on the back for saying that if Kenny really does think no, that the, I'm not. I, I figured that <laughs> I already knew the answer to that, but I'll finish just to, you know, so you yeah, know what you're saying me. no to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, uh, you know, if the roster really is the problem, well, I want to see some add, add somebody, you know, in between the semesters, like, let's see, uh, by all, every means necessary, any means necessary, whatever we can do, you know, for this roster, let's do it. And they did go. Uh, and and add somebody a a front court player who is you know is clearly kind of you know a project a guy that they were able to get in on but you didn't hear much about him really at all uh, I even reached out to Sam Vecini he's like look man if you don't know people in these leagues there's just not much out there uh, and that's there's just not a lot of infrastructure for coverage and stuff like that but he comes in after one game of of sort of getting acclimated and I'll be damned Luke he looked. He looked like he belonged, even if he didn't totally know what he was supposed to be doing all the time. He didn't bother me with the way that he played, even when he wasn't where he ought to have been. Yeah, I mean, Louisville doesn't have a guy who you just look at and you think, man, that dude is giving everything he has. And Okorafor does that for me. You know, like you said, I don't think he's – how could you expect him to be up to speed? Like, freshmen don't get up to speed through a whole season, having the offseason of practice, having, you know, weeks and weeks to come together. I was really impressed just – you can make up for a lot of ills out there, a lot of things going wrong. If you're just level is so intense, you're trying so hard, and you have some skill. And this guy is big enough, strong enough to compete at this level, walking in the door, and his mode – or his motor, excuse me – is 100 miles an hour the whole time. And I think that is exactly where you want to be with freshmen versus trying to get those guys to compete at a high enough of a level. And so we've talked about this for weeks now. You, you're not going to add somebody. I even I, I took last week off, had a crazy week. Uh, mother-in-law was going through some things. My wife was traveling, so I couldn't get in on radio. But I did listen to a few shows during the week and people talked about well he's going to make this big impact right away and he's big and played for this team and did this freshmen don't come in and dominate they certainly don't come in and dominate halfway through the year you know most guys come in and their head is spinning and so for him to just get out there and give them a, a little bit of renewed energy is a great thing but we've said this for weeks mark you just can't go out there and find transfers that are going to immediately impact your program, be able to step in and be eligible halfway through the season, you know, to totally change the fortune of the program. You just like this is as good as it gets for me. I think it's a big check mark for KP, um, and I think you can tell he feels like I, I need something different from a player perspective. I know people are hating on him for you know digging in on the players a little bit more lately, but in all reality, this isn't the first coach to do that with this group of guys. And the team got worse in terms of talent from last year to this year. They just they didn't come together at all. They lost the pieces that made them an okay team last year. And now these guys, are they're just not a together group. You know, I'm looking around. Noah Locke is at Providence. I went to the Memphis game on Thursday night. Memphis played at Memphis. They played SMU and got to see Sam Williamson out there. And he was just kind of out there. And they got drummed by Memphis. Uh, the the Davis brothers at Seton Hall. All those guys are 
more talented than the guys that are on the roster now, and they left. So he's got a lot of work to do. But in terms of adding people, the, again, the test for me starts at the end of this season. That's when you're going to be able to go get transfers that can make an impact on your program. That's when you can change the culture and the tone of what's going on day-to-day in the program. And, you know, KP's put himself so far behind being, you know, having won two games at this point in the year. People are going to need more examples like Okorafor of, hey, this guy can bring in dudes that are going to impact the program. And he's going to have to do that in short order once season is over. I mean, I, I'm never one that's like, yeah, hey, we're giving up. But I'd love to see these guys improve through the year. But I've never seen a team go from where they're at to being, you know, competitive enough to make a run in the ACC tournament or something like that. Boy, that would really be something, wouldn't it? If you had like a Georgetown kind of run in them and they just right. won the ACC tournament for no reason. Uh, I'm not. I'm. I'm also not expecting anything like that. But I. I they did are kicking like... teams out of the NCAA tournament from the ACC. They make that run because I mean. You can imagine where they're at in some of these rankings. You know, teams are beating Louisville and they're moving down. down. You know, several spots. So yeah. if you lost to Louisville now, you you would have no chance. Sorry about that, Western. Yeah. Better luck next year. Right. Well, I mean, uh, that team. I expected them to be pretty good this year, and I know they're I, struggling. Man, we do this every year. I feel like with Western, we do this every year. We look at the roster. We're like, man, they've got some players, and then. This happens every year. I mean, we started with what? Our boy Bassey back in the day. That's right. Mitchell. And then now, you know, you got Jerry Eves telling me they got the best prospect in the state, and he's still, you know, five points and five rebounds. But I digress. Um, (laughs) You know, their their team just isn't quite as good. So I, I got called a clown early. That's in the first 20 minutes of the show on the text line. You already got called. Wait, a texter called you a clown? Luke is such a clown. Good lord, I just don't really understand that. That's like, bold. I'm sitting here saying Kenny Payne's got to revamp the roster at the end of the season. I mean, what do you want from me? That's pretty anything? bold, texter. So anyway, that's that's the way it goes. You know, I, I look at programs like BC, and I look at Pitt, and I look at Clemson, and I just think the way that they were able to revamp their roster so quick. They just need – I mean, KP's got to go do what he was brought here to do and be a recruiter. But more than anything, these guys are so beat down right now, It's it's got to be tough just keeping the confidence up, you know, and keeping these guys, you know, right frame of mind to go out there and compete to some level. You know, I do want to play uh, here a little bit later on. Uh, a couple of comments from Kenny Payne last night uh, during the coaches' show uh, – his comments about the way that the team overall played, especially like you mentioned in the first half in which they fell way behind uh, for, for real inexcusable reasons. There just isn't any reason for it. And he's, I think you recognize this too. He has begun to really ratchet up uh, and sharpen, you know, his criticism. Uh, You certainly can feel like, uh, I don't know how much more of this there's going to be in terms of these guys, you know, being around and and that sort. Of, I think you can just detect all of that in in Kenny's voice. Uh, but I'd like to I want to play for you a little bit later on some of those comments uh, and get an idea from you. Like, what do you what do you expect to see, sort of down the stretch here in terms of who plays and who doesn't lineups. Uh, what do we what do like what are the goals? I guess in your mind. Between now and the end of the year, I mean, we're sitting here at two and nineteen. It's a disaster. Uh, there, there aren't uh, objective, I think, accomplishments to really even grasp out there. We just said this this team's not going on a run like that, and I, you're right. But what's out there? What are, like what are we aiming for if it's not going to be the traditional win losses, postseason positioning, all that sort of thing? Like, what makes sense for you to sort of be the goals that will give you some reason to to hope going forward? So I got to ask, is that a goal like from a fan perspective, from our perspective, or is that a goal with where these guys should be putting the bar in their locker room with their team right now? Uh, let's say what him, Kenny Payne, goal with this group, both uh, just to sort of demonstrate something for fans, so I think to rally behind, and then like what fans ought to be hoping for between now and the end of the year, if they're going to be remotely realistic. You know, 
I've kind of given up on, like I said, Louisville being able to make some kind of crazy run. However, you want to see them improve in some of these statistics that are absolutely shooting them in the foot. You know, it's all right to lose to Syracuse by a point, but when you follow that up with some of those performances that make you feel like, all right, we didn't learn anything from that game, yeah. that's really tough. You know, I, I would love for these guys to start to improve and assist to turnover because it's something we've been harping on nonstop this season. And when your turnover percentage is 359th in Ken Palm, you're not going to be able to win. And I've said this from the beginning. I, I think you need two things to be able to compete out there that are kind of baseline. Just like in football, being able to compete in the trenches, you got to be able to rebound. They do that solid most games they're not great but they they haven't been just absolutely dominated and then you can't turn the ball over if you have a bunch of live ball turnovers or non-steal turnovers you hand the ball to the other team they, they don't even have to work for some of these and you're giving up buckets on the other end so everybody wants them to fight but fighting for 40 minutes staying together not letting these bad couple plays turn into a bad 20 plays in a row where oh, dang we just gave up an 18-0 run now we can't win like they they've got to find a way to put together more consistency and I think in, in no benchmark level there right it's just are you going out and competing for 40 minutes they got to stop the runs these other teams are able to go on and then I think they can have a chance to be in some of these games right like I, I do think your game to tomorrow night is your best chance to win left on the schedule. Oh, yeah. And so I hope that they get fired up for this game. You know, I've never been in a locker room that's 0-10 in conference and 2-19, and but, you know, firing these guys up is going to be tough. That's KP's job. I want to see them win a game down the stretch here and just, you know, have one of those feel-good moments. But in terms of, like, moving forward with the program, um, you know, I want to see KP get tougher, get a little meaner, and then at the end of the season, you know, I want him to take what he's learned through this first year and implement things, stuff. You know, whether you're changing your staff, whether you're talking about changing a routine, whether you're talking about changing your, your diet for these guys, and then ultimately your personnel on your roster. What are you going to go change realizing, kind of learning things through this first season, not knowing what you don't know, now you've been through it one year. It's been brutal. What are you going to change? I think that test starts as soon as season is over. And in, in my opinion, you know, KP's obviously doing something, bringing in a core for. He's obviously realizing this. So it's time to, time to put work in, man. It's time to see the results. And I know, again, I'm a competitor. I don't think anybody wants to say, ah, man, with a third of the season left, it's over. But – I don't expect these guys to go on any kind of run that makes Louisville fans be like, yeah, now I'm, I'm on board now. I think that moment has to happen in the offseason when you're revamping this roster. And I'm okay with fans that are like, nah, they, I've given up. They are probably going to need you know, several games into next season seeing a totally different team out there in, in the way they compete, the way they execute, the intensity they bring each game. All right, let's take a quick break then. Uh, and when we come back, I want to – continue on with that discussion in light of some of the things that Kenny had to say last night and, and what you just said in particular about wishing to see him ratchet the, the intensity, his own intensity up, you know, quite a bit towards them and towards the mistakes and all that sort of thing. So we'll do some of that. Uh, on the other side here, we are going to talk again, uh, football uh, with Roddy Jones in the five o'clock hour. We haven't talked to Roddy in a while. Yep. Uh, so we'll have uh, Roddy, uh, on with us here uh, in the five o'clock hour to talk about that ACC schedule, which I think leaves Louisville fans with every reason in the world uh, to be optimistic about a, a really hot start uh, for, for Jeff Brom in year one with Louisville. So we'll talk about that later on uh, as well here on the drive on the Right back. Metro college is a program that helps students pay for tuition. And I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it. But then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. 
Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start, before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. Welcome back to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock, the phone lines. We'll go ahead and open them up for you. As long as you won't call Luke a clown, what are we doing, guys? We don't have to do that. (laughs) Also, Luke, you would think that people would have learned their lesson a decade ago to just not doubt you so out loudly like that. It didn't go very well for folks last time. You know, uh, I have come to know that Louisville fans are extremely passionate about their basketball, and sometimes they lose, uh, they lose sight of the big picture. And so I'm just going to chalk it up as that. But, you know, through my experience, I, I, I try and be a little more even, not get so high, not get so low. Uh, I love Louisville fans. I think this is the best fan base in the country to play for. They were very hard on me at times. Gave me a, a, a ton of hate. But, man, we, we had a lot of great times together and a lot of love. So, you know, I, I'll just take that one and uh, I'll put it in the back pocket and save that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that texter. Start reading your number out loud. You keep coming with that stuff. <laughs> That's uh, the number if you'd like to. Go ahead and join uh, us in here. 38319399 for the UPS jobs text line. You can hit us up uh, that way as well. Uh, Avery, would it be all right if, if you're at a place where you can do this? Can we go ahead and play just one of these? This is from last night, and I, I wanted to, before we focus on what Kenny has to say uh, in this clip, I did want to give. That was a good plug right there. I am drinking a focus right now, ice cold peach flavor, but there that was go. a good. We got to focus on the right things. You emphasize the pH there as well. That's good. <laughs> I, I wanted to give Paul some. Uh, some some love for if I listened to the entire uh, podcast of the coaches show from last night with Kenny and, we, and if you've not noticed that that uh, on two the following day at two o'clock we've been replaying these coaches shows and we're going to continue uh, to do that I think it's a good thing uh, as just a sort of a way to continue to highlight uh, this stuff but some props to Paul for the way he matter of factly but not in any way kind of soft pedals some pretty pointed questions you know for kenny and i and kenny answers them in such a way that it's it's clear you know he receives it that way too and so just a, a professional uh, paul rogers is and i appreciate that uh throughout a lot of this but i wanted to play if we could play this one uh, right away the one that you have ready there uh avery this is kenny talking about that luke the effort level and this is what i sort of had you know bouncing around inside my head when I was asking about like, what do you want to see between now and the end of the year? What was, what does it look like? What are the goals? Whatever. I'm uh, keep that question in mind with this answer from Kenny from last night. From here to the end of the season, I'm not changing. Um, I hadn't changed from the beginning of the season to now. Um, I, the only thing that that changes is when I feel like the kids and the players have it. Then I, I back up until they have it or have until I feel they have it, which I'm looking for every day. And what I mean by have it, they understand the importance of playing together. Uh, they understand that we're probably leading the country in turnovers. And so everything that we do, uh, we're working on trying to fix that. Uh, making passes to the to the outside hand, uh, pivoting when you pass, um, fake a pass, make a pass. Till I see these things happening, I can't let up. Till I see us defend desperately, I can't let up. Until I see us fighting when we're tired, I can't let up. Gut reaction uh, to that. A little coach kind of boilerplate there, but I have a question I want to ask you after it. Yeah, you know, I don't expect anything else. Like, 
I, I bring this up a lot, but your line about you don't hire a coach mm-hmm. not to be himself, you know, it's a little bit different with KP in my opinion because he hasn't been a head coach for a long time. You're not bringing him in here because of some prolific resume and and people, you know, they're not blind. People can see that the product out there is not winning basketball, right? So you kind of have to see how adaptable Kenny Payne is and how he's going to kind of change his approach. And I think it's good to see coaches with conviction and how they're doing things. That can either be a really good thing or a really bad thing in the long run because he seems to have great conviction having been around great coaches for a long time in a way of doing things. And I like that. You know, I said from the very beginning, you start to show that you don't have confidence in your plan and your daily preparation and your preparation for games. Players can see that right away. And they'll call you out on it, and they'll start, you know, changing their philosophy and how they feel about you and how they feel about their teammates. It's, it'll just be a snowball effect that you can't get away from. And so I, I do like that he feels confident in the way he's teaching and the way he's he's trying to show these guys things. Um, to me, he it seems like he feels like I got to get my kind of guys in here, and I'm going to have success. And it seems like he believes that. The tough part is the way he's approached a lot of different aspects of this. You mentioned the turnovers. You know probably about being the worst turnover team in the country. Louisville basketball is setting historically bad numbers in that area. So I, I would like to see him find a way to address it. You know, I mean, Mark, I'll, I'll turn it back to you. If you know that turnovers are what's really hurting you, you know, would you, would you be okay if they – tried to play at a snail's pace if their tempo numbers just just dropped dramatically and they slowed things down and his only focus was hey we're not going to turn the ball over this game you know trying something different like that I, I think would be you know a, a, a worthwhile experiment really well I, unfortunately Luke, I, yes I agree with you I do not unfortunately I agree with you unfortunately you're right I do agree with you uh I would love something like that, but I think what we're describing is the sort of thing that uh, I would have loved to have seen like at the beginning. And I think about something you said a while back a lot. I heard you say it with with, with me. I've heard you say it when you have appeared with, with Drew that you would have lost to Bellerman by 15. You know, you would have lost to App State and Wright State by, by 15 and learned some lessons and sent some more, I think, some more clear messages with how – you played who you played, that sort of thing, rather than sort of almost win and feel like you're close when really there were a lot of mistakes and a lot of things that needed to be fixed at kind of a more, a much more fundamental level. Uh, but regardless, if they did something like that, yeah, I, I think people would welcome, I would, uh, 81, 50, if maybe if you feel differently, probably would welcome some uh, sense or some feeling that what they're doing is overcorrecting something because it's got to be addressed right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think the overcorrection would would make me feel better as as an analyst. You know, when I see a team, what's the definition of insanity? It just keeps doing the same thing. It's kind of just beating your head against the wall there. You know, you're giving the other team – I mean, some games it's close to 20 points. Some games you're, you're playing better and it's and it's 8 to 10 points. But you're, you're not going to win in the ACC when you give quality teams easy baskets. And this team certainly can't do that. You can't do that against Georgia Tech. And they're, you know, right there with Louisville at the bottom of the conference. So, you know, I, I, I want to see kind of drastic things and try and see, like, man, they must have worked the entire week on X. And the tough part is they haven't been able to build on those weeks. You know, they look good rebounding the ball and and still have those turnovers. The next week, they look terrible rebounding the ball, still have those turnovers, but they shoot it well. And the next week, they, they just can't find a way to put it all together for 40 minutes. Again, a together group has that continuity and can handle adversity. They got to work on all those things kind of at once. But I do agree with you, just simply focusing on one thing that's that's really hurting them you know, as a just experiment, sitting here at two and nineteen, I'd feel good about that. Yeah, and, and I think that what you just described a couple of minutes ago, where you know, if if a coach wavers uh, in in what they believe, like players, that's one of the things I think players see through immediately. And his, you know, 
experience teaches us this, that like players will never forgive you for for trying to sort of impose a way of doing things on them that you give away that you don't believe in. And if you'd like a good example of that, last year, I mean, that's what happened. You know, Chris Mack had a way of doing things from the time he was an assistant coach, and he really tried to kind of whim, jettison all of it. Then he got you know, his, his suspension and everything that happened. And then when he comes back, he kind of undercut what he had sort of set out as a new way of doing things. And I think the team saw through that very quickly. Uh, and and I'm glad that Kenny doesn't do that. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you. I would love to see some, some concrete effort at addressing the turnovers and the, like the non-steal turnovers, perhaps above anything else, because it is infuriating. On top of you know, get, just about guaranteeing you that you're going to lose, uh, I can't imagine anything worse for this team than making it easier for the other team. Like the one thing Louisville's got to do is make it as hard as possible on the other guys, and then they've got to do everything else right too. Yeah, I mean that, that's it. You you want to make the other team beat you, don't beat yourself. Uh, I don't know if we need to do a little quick reset with you, uh, Mr. Mark Ennis, but you're okay. uh, you're sounding a little robotic there. Um, and also, I will let you know, uh, Coach Lieberman, he was an assistant coach while I was on the team at Louisville. Um, he is coaching the TBT Louisville team. So we're, we're putting a team in the TBT. Uh, he's going to join us at 4 o'clock to talk a little bit about that process and players. And I know Diener kind of kicked off the week with some of that stuff, but uh, Peyton Siva has put some videos out. There's some other guys uh, from from the old days that are going to come around this summer, put a Louisville TBT team back together. And uh, so, Mark, 4 o'clock, we'll get Coach Lieberman on. I'm excited for that, Luke. I, we're certainly are a, a lot different place than we were the first kind of a go-around with all of this. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited that everyone else is, is sort of is good with this and feels good about it, and it's going to be a good experience uh, for everybody. And and I, I think that uh, we could use a giant dose of nostalgia right now. I think everybody felt that way. You know, as we were talking to different guys and people that were helping to organize this thing, people just wanted some positivity and some energy around Louisville basketball. And I will say Louisville basketball wanted that too. You know, they, they were excited to have some of the old guys uh, be around. And it's going to be something that's exciting. We feel like we've got a, a few guys together already that, that can help win a tournament like that. It's a million-dollar prize. Winner takes all. Uh, it's going to be played in July. And uh, we can't announce quite yet where the games will be held. But I promise you um, people will be excited about it. And uh, some of the former players have had big moments in, in some of those places. So um, that's, that's a, all the tease I'm going to give. But we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming, and this summer to see those guys back in the community because they're playing all over the world. Really, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm very much looking forward to it. I want to hear from folks uh, about that too. So, 8150-939 is the number uh, if you want to get in here. 3831-939 for the UPS shop six. I'm looking talking about like we want to see them address one of these major issues like turnovers and that sort of thing. It, Especially given the fact that, like, kind of your typical um, benchmarks and, and accomplishments are, are not on the table. This is not, like we said, not going to be a tournament team, uh, barring something absolutely miraculous happening. But would you would you like to see more just straight up tinkering with the roster or playing time? in light of, of some of the things that continue to be issues with the team? At this point, yes. You know, I, I think you got to find guys that are going to be coachable. And you gotta, you got to have some non-negotiables with how you're putting the, the team together, the plan together. Um, you, you have to make sure if you're telling guys, hey, we can't turn the ball over, when they do that in practice – You've got to, it's got to be a punishment thing. Like, you don't need a treadmill. Every coach doesn't have a running treadmill where you go hit a mile when you make a turnover. You don't have to have that. But number one, you have to have consequences when guys are making mistakes out there that aren't helping your team and, and it's your focus for whatever that drill is. And then number two, your competition level has to be high enough where you're simulating the game experience as best you can. Because, right, you're not, you're not going to simulate Cameron Indoor Stadium. Right? But... You can simulate 
you know, the double team that's coming after you. Like we used to play, sometimes we would play five on six if we're playing a great pressing team. And so there's a guy out there kind of no man's land that's just trapping and making it difficult. Things like that that get your team to handle the pressure when it's on, when the pressure's the highest. Those things kind of get you over the top. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to see more and more intensity in practices. I did go to a shoot-around um, before the, the, uh, uh, the Pittsburgh game, and I did think that his attention to detail was there. He wasn't moving on to things unless it was done right. And I know you had a chance to read the article with Jerome Tang yeah. at Kansas State. And I, I great article, first off, from The Athletic. And you'll have to uh, bring everybody up to speed on, on who wrote that article because I'm drawing a blank it's here. Chris Moore. Chris Moore. So I, I thought the article was fantastic. Um, picked last in the Big 12. And they are tied for first right now. they got a huge game against Kansas tonight. Have obviously had huge wins. Um, and they've brought all these pieces from kind of all over. And the tough part with that is how you bring them together. And he has done a fantastic job bringing those guys together so at, at this point with Louisville you're it's such a disconnected group they they just got to be able to compete at a high level in practice and let that transition into the games and again firing them up to just go out there and be ready to compete has got to be a monumental task when you're sitting there at 2 and 19 but I hope that they get up for the challenge for tomorrow because again this is an opportunity to get a win and there just aren't that many opportunities left. You know, Florida State is a really tough team to play, especially right now as they're getting healthier. Then you got Pitt. You got Miami, ranked 23rd right now. Pittsburgh should be ranked, or maybe just outside. Uh, Virginia, six, one of the best teams in the country. Then you play Clemson, number 20. Then you play Duke. Then you get Georgia Tech again and finish with Virginia Tech and Virginia. So, you know, you're, you're only playing kind of bottom of the ACC teams. In Georgia Tech, which you'll have twice, and then Florida State, which, you know, I, I get it. Their record is not great, but they are a heck of a lot better than where their record is. So if I'm KP, you kind of got to put it all on red here and, and go beat those Yellow Jackets tomorrow night. 81-50-93-9. That's uh, the number if you want to get in here. 38-31-93-9 for the UPS Jobs text line. Uh, Luke, let's – I don't know that we've ever had a, a really kind of in-depth discussion about turnovers and the like a root cause analysis of why this Louisville team is so bad about them. And I'm just kind of curious if in watching the team all year, if you've been able to come to any kind of conclusions about like, what is, what is the issue that they are turning the ball over so much and the way that they are, not just the volume. You know, uh, Texter just just kind of said similar things um, to what my reasoning would be, I guess, of where those turnovers are coming from. But they asked about practice and, and do they turn the ball over a lot in practice or is it just when the lights are on? And I think, no, they don't turn the ball over that much in practice. But I look at the competition level and the intensity early on not being where it needs to be. And then I start to look at some of the matchups. Like you look at L. Ellis, for example. This guy's a veteran. He's played at a couple JUCO places. He's played at Louisville now for a while. Like, you would imagine he's got a pretty big advantage over Fabio. Just stepping in. Freshman doesn't, you know, drinking from a fire hose is the line you get all the time. So the competition level there is not quite the same. He can't push L. Ellis the way he's going to need to be pushed to go out there and compete against Chase Hunter or, you know, R.J. Davis or, you know, Jeremy Roach. You could keep going down the list, Judah Mintz, whoever you want to say, Isaiah Wong and company, right? So I, I do think they got to find ways to continue to push them to get to that next level. And then ultimately, again, I don't know if you need to put a running treadmill in the corner or not, but these guys don't seem to have that, you know, all right, I messed up. Now I'm going to go run sprints and I'm going to get back in there and I'm going to kill it again. Like their confidence is so low. It's tough to hold guys accountable because it's almost like coaches yelling at me. What do, I don't care. What do I do now? Like, I think people are underestimating the mental state of where you would be at 2-19. and 19. And it is, you know, it was tough for me early on. We weren't even playing great. We were undefeated. And I was getting booed. And we won a national championship that year. And I don't think that's a gaffe, but I don't think I just said the, the wrong word. Championship there, I'll just reiterate. But You're a clown, Luke. <laughs> yeah, that was clown stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but well played. 
But you, you get what I'm saying. Um, you know, I, I just I think holding this group together and having that continuity, it's just got to be so tough right now. Yeah. Oh, listen, I can't imagine. Uh, I know, that, well, especially because you're saying what you're saying right now, but you have no use for the guys have been hurt stuff. So even saying that, like you're not, this is not coming from somebody who is uh, inclined to give them all sorts of mental breaks and that sort of thing uh, for their emotions and that sort of thing. So you're, you're dead serious about this. Uh, I mean, a thousand percent. Like, you know, I feel bad for Boston College. They didn't have Quentin Post for 15 games. I feel bad for all the injuries that Florida State has dealt with. You know, I, I, the mentality that the Louisville guys came into this season with about, man, it's going to be all right, and these guys got to heal and all that, that that's, I think that was the wrong message to send. And I think these guys kind of got to a point where they were like, well, Coach is going to be all right with us doing anything because we've been through a lot. And I think if he could go back, and I have not talked to him about this, I think if he could go back, he would change that message from the jump and be harder on these guys and, and try and get them going early. Because now, you know, how many times have you heard me say this, Mark? Toughest thing in sports. When things are going wrong and that snowball effect happens and guys are not on the same page and turnovers are killing you and missed shots and missed blockouts and effort's not there. Because, like, that snowball effect, the toughest thing in sports is to galvanize your group and turn that around. And... Like, it's not going to happen at 2-19, and 19, or I've not seen it happen. But you want to see them just continue to put one foot in front of the other and work. You know, Josh Pastner was talking about it today on their coach's call, saying, hey, you know, when you're up against the ropes, you can either back down and fold or you can keep fighting. And, you know, to his credit, they did win the ACC a couple years ago. 21, right? That's right. Yep. I mean, they, they won the ACC. Now they're dealing with some lean years here, but they've had some ebbs and flows like, Part of it is that's college basketball, and that's college basketball in this environment, certainly. That's why I think, Luke, when it comes to like sending kind of a dramatic signal that you're not okay with, with the turnovers and stuff in particular, that I would be okay with Kenny Payne installing a trap door right on the sideline. So he can get on out of there? No, so that the first player who just dribbles the ball out of bounds or the first player who jumps to catch the ball and lands out of bounds immediately goes through the trap door. And, and what, then when you come, wherever the slide takes you, that's door. the transfer portal. <laughs> wherever you land, good luck. That's exactly right. Oh, bummer. You ended up at Stetson. Sorry about that. <laughs> Fouling fouls and uh, jumping on the line when you catch the ball. Rank them. What's worse? Uh, just stepping out of bounds with the ball. It makes me insane. It makes me balder. <laughs> it makes me balder. I gotta, I gotta relax on getting so upset with these because I don't want to lose any hair. You do not want to be like this. Trust me. <laughs> we'll be right back here. We're gonna talk with Mark Lieberman. He's gonna be the coach of Louisville's TBT team. We're gonna talk with him on the other side here, on the drive on Nintendo.